Welcome to Central Baptist Church of Livingston, Texas. We're glad that you've chosen to study God's Word with us today. We'd invite you to visit our website, centrallivingston.com, to learn more about our mission to preach, to teach, and to live the gospel for the glory of God. Now, open your Bible or your Bible app and study God's Word with us. You can be seated. You know, as we pray this morning, I want to just, uh, again, welcome you to worship. You know, Ray Jones is a guest with us again this morning. If you were here several weeks ago, you remember him. And uh, he's been with us this weekend. He worked with our worship team yesterday all afternoon for a very great rehearsal and, uh, you know, just spoken into our worship team's lives. And, you know, he's here this morning to lead us in worship this morning. He's also going to be preaching this morning. So we're blessed by that. Um, I want us to, uh, to spend a few moments in prayer. And so if you want to join me here at the front, I want you to come on. And we're going to pray this morning um, in light of everything we've just been singing. You know, God is at work in our church and he's at work in our lives. And I just want to read this verse as you're coming. Um, and it says this, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You know, the love of Christ, the love of God flows from the Father to us. And then we have this love towards one another that we experience today, only because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we extend that love to others, even outside of our fellowship, to those who need Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. And that's what we exist for. That's why we are here. We are a changed people. We are a people that have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we have the love of Christ living in us. And so we want to pray, we want to sing, we want to worship Him, we want to listen to what His Word says to us in light of the love of Christ that has been poured into our lives. So let's pray together and spend time with the Lord. And Father, we thank You this morning for that love that we've just been singing about. We do not know how to interact with each other as Christians apart from Your love God, there is a beauty to your local church. You come from all different walks of life and backgrounds and generations and styles and preferences and life experiences. And yet, Lord, somehow, some way, you bring each local church together here on earth and you unify us around and within uh, the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit that lives within us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for making that happen, making that available, making that a reality for us today. God, we're here today to truly worship you. We're here not to think about other things and other matters in our life, Lord. We're here to offer you our worship, our praise. We're offering you, Lord, our hearts. We're offering you our time. We're offering you, Lord, um, all that you have given to us, God, which is everything. We know that time and our lives and our resources and all that we have here on earth is stewardship. Lord, we steward it day after day after day. And we are here today, Lord, and we were brought into this world by you. And Lord, one day we will meet you face to face. But here this morning, God, we get a little taste of what it's like to be with you, to worship you, to hear your word spoken into our life, sung into our life, spoken into our life. And Lord, an opportunity to respond to it. And so we thank you this morning, God, for this time, for this moment, for this space, this 
moment here at Central, Lord, where we can gather together after incredibly, for some of us, an incredibly difficult week. Lord, the challenges that we face throughout the week, the good, the bad, the ugly, Lord, we come into this room. Some of us are exhausted and tired. Some of us, Lord, are mentally exhausted and tired. We have multiple decisions that we have to make, so we come to you because we know that you're the source of strength. You're the source of of, uh, of peace. You're the source of joy. You are the source of wisdom. God, you extend your mercy and your grace upon our lives. Lord, when we do not deserve it, we have not earned it. But God, we receive it. And we, Lord, um, find joy in it today. God, we pray this morning for your word. And we pray that you'd speak into our lives. We pray for Ray, that God, as he speaks into our lives, that as your word, as he uses your word and speaks your truth into our hearts and minds, that God, we would be receptive, that we would listen, that we would respond. And Father, we just pray for your hand to be with us right now. And we know that you are. We know that your Holy Spirit is working. And so we give you this time. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. It's a delight to be back with you today. Um, always amazed when I get invited back anywhere. I, um, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 7, and I'm going to set this up for you. You know, if you ever get tired of Netflix, uh, read the history books in the Old Testament. Their stories are the best stories on the planet. This is a story that I want to set a stage for you to, to kind of get us to 2 Kings chapter 7. So uh, here are the players. Uh, Elisha was the uh, prophet who followed Elijah. And uh, according to Elijah, he gave a double blessing of his, uh, of, of his uh, prophecy to this new prophet, Elisha. Elisha was quite a dynamic guy. There's a lot of stories about him, but this one is quite uh, entertaining to me because there is a king who came on the scene. Remember, the, the kingdom was cut in half. There was Judah and there was Israel. And the king of Judah was Jehoshaphat, and the king of Israel was a guy named Jehoram. And he was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. You remember them? Jezebel is the one that made Elijah run. She was quite the girl. They were bad people. It says so in chapter 3 that this was a bad king. And it, for, for several different reasons. But when we get to about chapter 6, something happens that is very dynamic. There was a king in the, in the, uh, in the kingdom of Aram, and his name was Ben-Hadad. And, and, and he... Uh, decided to, to, to besiege the city of Samaria, which was the capital of Israel at the time. And so instead of attacking, he just set up his entire army on the outskirts of, of, of the city. And, and so he cut off all of the supply chain of food and, and everything into the city. No supplies came in. So what happened was there was a great famine. Okay, and so it was really, really bad. Now, I don't know if you've ever been hungry, but I, 
I, I get hangry. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, if I don't get food, I, I, I kind of almost turn into a different person. Well, this group of people turned into a different group. Let me tell you, they were eating the heads of donkey and the dung of doves. That's how desperate they were. If you don't know what dung is, ask your neighbor. And it got so bad that they began to kill children, and they were eating their children. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Now I've set the stage for the story. Well, the king, Jehoram, got really upset about this. And as most bad leaders, he looked for somebody to blame. So he blamed the prophet Elisha. And he said, God is my witness. By the end of the day, I'm going to have the head of Elisha in my hands. And he called for the executioner, and they went to the house. I mean, I'm not making this up. You can read it. They went to the house where Elijah was. Elisha was inside, and he and God had told him, the king's coming for your head. So he told the servant, under no condition should you open the door. So they barred the door, and the king comes to the door, and he starts giving him grief over the situation. And the prophet Elijah stood there, and he said, by tomorrow at noon, this will all be resolved. And so the king left. Elijah was safe, and now we come to chapter 7. So in this moment, <laughs> in chapter 7, there is a subplot. Y'all know what a subplot is, right? It's like there's the plot and there's the subplot. Well, the subplot was there's four guys sitting outside the city wall. They sat outside the city wall because they had leprosy and they were not allowed into the city. And the way that they were sustained was people would, out of the goodness of their heart, family members and others, would, would drop food by them. They wouldn't touch them. They couldn't come near them. They would leave food for them. Well, all the food in the city was gone, and now there's no food for these four lepers. I'm pretty sure that they were Baptist because they had a committee meeting. Y'all know what a committee is, right? Okay. It's, it's a group of the unwilling doing the unnecessary. So, um, but I was, I was interested to see what their response is because they, they had a committee meeting. The first guy goes, well, we can't stay here or we're going to die. That's verse 3 if you're looking. And the second guy spoke up, and he said, well, we can't go in there because we got leprosy. If we go back, we're going to die. So we can't stay here. We can't go back. And the third guy speaks up, last part of the fourth verse, and he says, let's go to the camp of the enemy and beg for bread, and the worst that could happen is they could kill us and we'll die. It's getting kind of funny to me. So, the committee voted, and they went down to the enemy's camp. And when they got there, God, through his sovereignty, had, been, had caused the sound of chariots and armies, and those guys who had been sitting there for, who, who knows, maybe months, they got scared, 
and just took off in the middle of the night. They left their tents. They left all of their supplies. They left their gold. They left their clothes. They left their animals. They took off because they thought that they were going to be attacked. So here come these four guys, and they walk into the camp, all right? And they walk in, and they see nobody's there. They went into the first tent, and they gorged themselves with food. They took the gold and the silver and the clothes, and they took them out in the woods and buried them so that they'd have supplies for going forward. And then they went to the second tent, and, and throughout the whole camp, nobody's there. And they started feeling guilty. And about verse 9, they said, well, we probably should go tell somebody because all our families are starving to death. And so they go into the city and they tell somebody. And it's kind of funny, beyond that, is that nobody would believe them. You know, they're out of their minds. But eventually, by noon the next day, they had all the provisions in that camp, take care of their food, of their needs, gold, their animals, everything. Just as the prophet Elisha had said. Isn't that a great story? If I was a movie maker, I'd make that story. Now, how is that going to apply to us today? You know, everything that God writes in the scripture has purpose. Would you agree? Is God intentional? Okay, now y'all got to talk back or else I'm just going to say the same thing over and over. Is God intentional? Okay. Now, if God is intentional, why would he put this story in there? Other than the fact that it's a miracle. Other than the fact that it showed his power and showed that he was speaking through his prophet. Those things are given. But what's the deeper meaning? How does that apply to us in this church today? Well, I suggest to you that the things that those four lepers said are an outline that we should look at very closely today. The first one was, as a church, we can't stay here. You know, it's been said that the definition of insanity is to do the same things over and over again and expect a different result. I'm not saying that you're insane. I'm just saying that most of us at some point in our life, get in a rut, and we decide, we decide, well, I just, I know what to do, and I do it, and then we're expecting a different result. It just, it just doesn't happen. We can't stay here. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a creature of habit, right? And, and I'm old, okay? I'll be 68 this week. I know I don't look it, so. I'll be 68 year, years old this week. And I, I sit in the same chair in my house. Right? You're nodding your head because I know you're doing the same thing. And some of you aren't as old as I am. And I, I pretty much eat the same things. And, and I sleep on the same side of the bed. I, I, my wife and I were, uh, she came to do a ministry with me a few uh, weeks ago. And uh, we were in a hotel. And the air conditioner was right there by me on the side of the bed that I was sleeping on. I, I didn't want it blowing on me. She said, well, why don't you sleep on this side of the bed? I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I tossed and turned all night. because we, We're creatures of habit. But I got to tell you something. In life, 
We can't stay here. It seems like every time I, I get comfortable, God comes along and makes me uncomfortable. Why is that? Because heaven is for my comfort. Not now. We are assigned by God to build his kingdom right now. And if you're not stacking bricks upon bricks every day, you're not doing what God called you to do. We're building his kingdom. There's an interesting thing that happened to me when I was a kid. I took swimming lessons. One of the first things that they did, and I was like six, maybe five or six, but they, they taught us to tread water. And as a six-year-old, I thought that was the stupidest thing ever, right? You're putting me out in the middle of the pool, and you're saying, stay there and just keep your head up. Now, I know that there's purpose in treading water, but tr you think about it. A lot of our lives we spend in treading water. We're not going anywhere. We're just trying to survive, trying to keep our head above the water so we don't drown. But we can't stay there. You can tread water from time to time if you need to get your bearings, but I'm just saying, treading water gets you nowhere. Nowhere at all. There's a funny story that happened to me when I was first in my first church. Um, I was the minister of music, education, and youth and recreation. And anything else the pastor wanted me to do. And I was real young. Well, started out like this it was a sunday morning i was in i was i was back when i dressed in a suit and uh one of the ladies from the nursery came over because i was in charge of education she said the children's toilet is overflowing so i rushed in i got a mop and plunger and i kind of cleaned that thing up and and uh and uh went on about my thing because i was teaching sunday school for the youth and they came back about 20 minutes later said it's doing it again so I went back down there and I cleaned it up and, and all that well that afternoon we had a deacons meeting and I said in the deacons meeting there's I think we've got a problem with the plumbing in the children's building and we might ought to get it checked out so what they do they appointed a committee to study the problem you can't make this up and they were to report back next month at the deacons meeting. And every week in between that, that, that first occurrence and then it happened two or three times every Sunday I was, I was there. And so I was frustrated but went to the deacons meeting on the second month. In the second month, they, they, the, the committee reported. And this is what they said. We believe that there's some trees out there that, that the roots have grown into the, the, the sewer line, and that's the problem. And we should probably do something about it. And I said amen to that. Well, they appointed a committee to get some bids. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you exactly what happened. And they were going to bring the bids, and we would vote the next month. And every Sunday, I was there with my bucket and my mop, and I was cleaning up 
stuff. And I was getting more angry <laughs> every week because we could have just called somebody to fix that, right? And we get into the meeting, and they get into a bidding war over cleaning out the sewer line, and they get into an argument. And I swear to God, this is one, one thing that they said. Well, for my money, it's Rotorooter. I mean, they said that word. They said, I mean, that's what they said. I, I thought to myself, I'm going to call them and pay them myself because they couldn't come to a decision about cleaning out the sewer line. Listen to me. We can't stay here. Staying here brings death. The second thing they said is we can't go back. <laughs> Can't go back. Now, they had a reason they couldn't go back because if they went back into the city, they would be killed immediately because it was the law that any uh, that lepers couldn't come into the city. So they knew they couldn't go back. But isn't it amazing? You, you ever, ever run into a high school guy that's still talking about the football game from 40 years ago that he was in? Just, just reliving his glory days, you know? And he's, he's 50 pounds overweight, and he couldn't run 100 yards if you paid him. But he's still living in the, in the, in the past. There, there's, there's a church I went to in Connecticut, and I love this church. It was a church that they met in a warehouse that they had converted into a, a worship center. And, man, they were tearing it up. They were bringing in homeless people. They were, they were, they were feeding the poor. They were, they were doing the works in, of Jesus in that city. It was, a, it was a city in Connecticut that was on the coast that they had a, um, a submarine base there nearby. And so there were a lot of young, uh, young Navy personnel there. And so it was, it was just an exciting place. Well, during the week, I was there for a revival for a whole week. And during the week, um, I went down into the city and I was just going to invite people to come and and I come across this church downtown. I'm telling you, it was one of the prettiest churches I'd ever seen in my life. It was immaculate. I mean, their, their landscaping alone, you could just tell how much care they took of it. And it was beautiful. And so I decided I'd go in and just kind of meet, you know, see if I could meet the pastor, you know. And I, I, I go to the door, and it's locked. And there's a lady standing outside smoking a cigarette. And she, she said, what do you need? I said, well, I was, I'm just kind of visiting the city, and I was going to meet the pastor. Oh, he don't come during the week. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, well, tell me about your church here. And she said, well, I'm the church secretary. And uh, we made a decision that years ago we were not going to ever change how we did things. She said those words to me. Back in the early 1800s, when there was a great movement of God, they were right in the middle of this great revival. Thousands of people were being saved. It was active. But they just determined that they were never going to change. I said, well, tell me about your church. She said, well, we have about 13 people. Now, this church was probably bigger than your sanctuary. And... Uh, 
but we have some members who formed a foundation and uh, we don't even take up offerings. We have a foundation that the money from the foundation supports all of this. Pays my salary, pays the pastor's salary, and it, it does upkeep on the entire building. So in other words, they could have a church without people. All because they made a decision that we will never change. You can't live in the past. You can't, if, if all you hear is people talking about the way things were, they are living in the past. I, I do church strategy planning meetings and I, I meet with church leadership and I really have a good time doing that. And what we do is we, we get together and, and uh, I have this thing that says that language creates culture. You know that you've got your own language in your church. I was listening to some of y'all talk today and I, it's funny because uh, I, I listen with those ears. You have your own language. Uh, your language is your mission statement. I'm not going to ask how many of you know what the mission statement of this church is, but you have a mission statement. That's your language. And you have core values. That's who you are. That's your character, okay? You, you don't make up core values. Your core values is who you are. Your mission statement is what you do. And so that's your language. And, and uh, it's interesting because I, I was in this church and uh, we were going through this process of, of strategizing moving forward. And so um, I was getting testimonies about people's ministries. And it was interesting that every person that reported on the ministry that they were in talked about what used to happen. It was all past tense. Every conversation. Not one of them said, we are currently doing this or we're currently planning this. It was all past tense. Listen, you cannot live in the past. The past is rich and history is useful, but it is not your present. And it is not your future. In other words, you can't stay here. You can't go back. I know that there are days in this church where you had a lot more people, a lot more activity, a lot more young families. I know that, okay? But you can't live there. You had a leader that you liked. You had a, a, a person that you liked that was in charge of the ministry that you were in. You, you, and th those are good memories, and you should keep those memories, but memories are not to live on. Memories are to help us to learn what is it that we should be doing. We can't stay here and we can't go back. The third guy said, remember, he said, well, we got to do something. You know, we got we to gotta move forward. The only people that have got food are the people down in the enemy's camp. Let's go down there and ask them, we'll just beg. We'll beg for bread. And maybe they'll have mercy. If not, they'll kill us. We're going to die anyway. You know what moving forward is? Moving forward is taking a chance. Right? If you're in a business and you are still operating on the same technology that you did 20 years ago, you ain't moving forward. 
Hey, listen, when I started in ministry, there weren't even copy machines, much less computers, much less uh, cell phones, right? Y'all remember those days? Y'all calling that the good old days? The old days weren't so good. When I grew up, we had a washing machine, but no dryer, so we had to hang all of our clothes out on the line. Yep, you know what I'm talking about? Those weren't good days. Those were hard days. Most of us resist change. Why? Because it's taking a chance, and we just don't feel like we can take the chance. But I'm telling you, all of your life, you got to where you are by moving forward, taking a chance. Can't stay here. Can't go back. You've got to move forward. The world is moving forward. If the church does not move forward, they're moving backwards. We've got to move forward. I, I really love new ideas because I know it's going to challenge me personally. Now, I'm, I'm going to show my age. Anybody remember Archie Bunker? He was a great theologian. Y'all don't even know who I'm talking about, do you? Archie Bunker. Come on, young people. It's okay to say that. Okay. Archie Bunker was this bigger-than-life character who was so stayed in what he believed that it didn't matter what anybody said or did. or it, 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 Forget it if you're trying to prove anything to Archie Bunker. He just was going to... He was going to be who he was, and he was going to tell you like he thought, and nothing in his world would ever, ever, ever change. And he had a chair, and if anybody came into his house, and if they sat in his chair, man, it was Katie bar the door. It was terrible. But church, listen, we've become Archie Bunker. We've got these opinions about how things can be, but I'm going to tell you something. The message of God never changes. It never changes. But the methods of God always change. Read your Bible. God is a creative God, and he's always creating new things for us to do. And he, he allows things in the world to change so that we can use them to build his kingdom. Don't resist technology. Accept it and use it for building the kingdom. Don't resist new ideas. Test them, yes, by the word, but use them to reach people. I was in a church recently. I told the choir this yesterday. I was in this church, and every month, one Sunday a month, they don't meet in the church building. They have a project that they go into the city. They are either working with the homeless people. They're working with poor neighborhoods. They're, they're just out being Jesus. And it's doubled at their church because they're bringing people in instead of expecting people to come here. If you think because you've got a nice building that people are going to drive by your church and go, I should go to church there, you're wrong. People don't care about your building. You know what they care about? They care about, do you care about me? Can you help me? People are desperate and hurting and lonely. They need you. 
We've got to get outside these walls. To move forward means you've got to take a chance. Well, what if we fail? Hmm. The guy that invented the light bulb failed over a thousand times before he got it right. Are you glad he kept going? I've learned so much more from my failures than I have my successes. Have you? <laughs> Some of y'all are going, yeah. I've failed so many times. And yet God, through his grace and mercy, uses my failures to help me to my success. We've got to move forward. Can't stay here. Can't go back got to move forward you've got a new pastor with a new vision I have spent hours talking to this man and if I was in this city I'd be a part of this church because I believe in his vision okay but a vision is not accomplished without the facilitation of the people we got to move forward. Now, here's the last point. we got to tell somebody. <laughs> I love that. Now, you've noticed they got their bellies full before they, <laughs> before they thought about anybody else. But that's okay. They were hungry. But they, once they came to themselves, they'd go, you know what? Man, we got friends and relatives in that city. They're, they're dying. we got to tell somebody. I mean, do you see your city as a, as a city of of people that are all saved. They're all in good shape spiritually. Because if you do, you've got blinders on. I woke up this morning to a couple across the hall from me having, having it out, and the whole floor hurt. And we live in a world that is full of need. You hear me? And we can't just sit and soak in the church. We got to go tell somebody. Do you know the best way to grow a church is not by promoting, not by having more events, not by having better programming, not all of those are good things, not by sending out mail outs, not by uh, doing TV commercials, not by having uh, big parties uh, out out, you know, out in the parking lot. That's not how churches grow. You know how churches grow? It's when you Go to somebody you know, and you say to them, I want you to come to my church. I'm excited about what God's doing there. The best promotion for your church is always the church. People want to be engaged by somebody they know. So you have an influence in this city, and probably within the context of this room, all of you, all of you in this room probably know most of the people in this city and many of the people in this county. So you have influence. And it's your influence that gets people in the building. You got to tell somebody. Now, when you tell somebody, I got to tell you right now, it's going to be inconvenient. You're going to have to give a little bit of yourself away. I was um, going to speak at an event, 
And, um, and I was assigned a topic that I had not preached on before, and so I was a little, felt a little underprepared. So I got to the airport, and I went off to the side as far away from people as I could. I had got my Bible out, and I was studying my notes to get ready to preach uh, when I got to this place. And so this lady just walks right up to me, and she looks, and she said, Are you a minister? I said, Well, yes, ma'am, I am. She didn't ask. She just sat down, and she just started pouring her guts out. And, man, her life was a total, absolute mess. Well, about that time, they called for, the, for me to get on my airplane. I said, ma'am, I'm going to give you my email address. I want you to write this down. I promise you. She said, are you on that plane? I said, yes. She said, so am I. <laughs> it was Southwest, so I didn't have an assigned seat. I'm thinking all along, I really need to study, but here we go. Lady got in line with me, got on the airplane with me, sat down right beside me, and continued to tell me her story. And uh, she was loud, and everybody around us knew her story. And finally, I stopped her and I said, I, I don't have the answers to all your problems, but I can tell you this. Jesus is the beginning to the answer to every problem. And I presented the gospel to her. And I prayed with her right there on the airplane to receive Christ. And I was so, I was just delighted. My heart was filled with joy. <laughs> but then, then my brain went, you better study. So I got my Bible out, got it in my lap, got my notes out. The guy across the aisle from me punched me on the shoulder and said, Excuse me, are you a minister? I said, I am. And he said, uh, I'm on my way to an appointment. I've got stage four cancer. They're not expecting me to live. I'm scared. I'm a believer, but I just don't know what to do. And uh, I've got a family. I mean, he was really hurting. And so I, I just reached across, put my hand on his shoulder. I said, listen. I know the guy that can heal you. And I know that he is going to help you through this situation. And so I prayed with him across the aisle that he would, that God would heal him and that God would take care of his family. And uh, it got done. And I, I, I thought, you know, these have been a divine appointments. And the flight attendant walked past me, and she tapped me on the shoulder, and she knelt down right beside me, got right in my face. She said, are you a minister? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, could you come to the galley? I need to ask you something. So I went back to the galley. They had already served everybody and sat down in the chair right beside her, and her marriage was falling apart, and she didn't know what to do. She was just, I mean, she was crying, sloppy crying, and her heart was breaking. And I prayed with her, and then the pilot said, uh, we're about to land. So I went back, put my Bible away, sat there, and this is what I thought. None of this was convenient to my schedule. I had an agenda. But more was accomplished on this airplane than probably anything I can say in the sermon I'm going to preach. 
It's all about you forming relationships with people around you and bringing Jesus into their lives. If Jesus is not a part of your regular conversation, he's got to be. If we really believe that he's the only message in town that can change somebody's life for the good, why are we not giving it? We must, must declare the works of Jesus. We've got to tell somebody. We can't stay here, church. We'll die. We can't go back. We'll die. we got to move forward. Yes, there's a chance. There's a chance that we'll have failure. And if we do, we'll call it a failure, and we'll go forward with something else. It's okay. But we got to move forward. Why? Because we got to tell somebody. Are we playing church? Or are we going to be the church? Because I'm going to tell you, I'm at the age, I turn 68 next Thursday. I'm going to tell you something right now. I ain't playing no more. I ain't got enough time. Some of you are older than me. Some of you are living on borrowed time, like me. You need to tell somebody. So I, I'm not a preacher. I don't have words. Can you act like Jesus? Can you be kind? Can you bring somebody to church with you? Listen, bribery is a great method. Come to church with me. I'll buy your lunch. Might be the best 50 bucks you ever spent. Get outside your comfort zone. Be the church. Mess this town up. Go tell somebody. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd like the musicians to come. You might be in this church today and you've gone to church your whole life, but you've never given your heart to Jesus. You know you can go to church and not be a Christian. You know that, right? I mean... You can go to a garage and not be a car. But if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now. And if you want Jesus in your life, if you want to be sure that he lives in your life, I want you to pray this prayer right there in where you're sitting. Just pray, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. So right now, I invite you, Jesus, into my heart. Come into my life. Take complete control of me. Make me the person you want me to be. I give you my life. I love you, Jesus. If you did that this morning, in just a few minutes, I, I want you to stand and when we stand and just walk down here, tell this pastor what you've done. We want to help you in your newfound journey with Christ. But this message was to the church today. I want you to look around in the room. There's so much, there's so much space for people. We need to tell somebody. God has called you. God did not call this pastor to fill up this church. He called this church to be the bride of Christ, to live your life in such a way that you can be Jesus to somebody this week. So church, I'm asking you right now to get somebody on your heart that you know that you need to work with.
and start with that one. Let's stand together. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, we ask that you would burden our hearts for this city. We need you, Lord. We need you to help us. Minister life in these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to one of our services. We would love to invite you, if you're ever in the Livingston area, to worship with us. We're located at 503 Northeast Avenue in Livingston, Texas. Here at Central Baptist, we are an intergenerational body of baptized believers with a blended style of praise who value expositional preaching, meaningful membership, consistent discipleship across all ages, and a gospel emphasis both locally and globally. If you'd like more information about Central, please visit our website at centrallivingston.com. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.